Today we will be workshopping various types of NPCs, taking them from base monsters to something more powerful and exciting, when you need to up the intensity of the story as well as the fight. Welcome to Dueling GMs, I'm Joseph. And I'm Anthony. This is a show for GMs and players. One about designs and details. To build a better role-playing community. So, last time uh, we talked about NPC creation and design, right? Yeah, it was a fun little conversation. Yeah, we kind of put them in, um, you know, a few different descriptions. Mobs, monsters, champion, nemesis, legend, and deity. And if you haven't checked it out, uh, go check that out first and then uh, come back to this. Uh, so tonight we wanted to make a couple of creatures based off of a singular or one or two stat blocks and kind of varying them, making them different, unique, and exciting uh, for the purposes of your world and your game. Yeah, and you've kind of pre-planned this. I wanted to come into this blind. Uh, So what did you have planned for us? Right, so I had some thoughts and I wanted it to be something basic, uh, something from the player uh not even the player handbook the you know the basic um basic rules uh and see how we can you know turn it up and spice it up uh so we are going to start with a uh black pudding as the base monster um the kind of I'll give a, a quick synopsis of a of a faction. Um, this is a a group of creatures that um, have it out, maybe indirectly or directly against the heroes that uh, they keep just destroying and making their dungeon their own, right? And the players obviously want to clear it out you know, make some money, get some resources and maybe some good items. Uh, So this is a thorn in their side. And the one more or less leading is a little bit more sentient of a black pudding. Sentient uh, black puddings are kind of known for their lack of intelligence. But every now and again, uh, they can have uh, scattered uh, as described in the in the basic rules, a scattered a uh, fragment uh, or offspring of the demon lord Jubilex um, and can then be sentient. So I feel that, you know, that shouldn't be an issue and the level of fragment that is there uh, makes them much more intelligent creature. Okay, okay. I have several questions, but... Sure, ask uh, away. Go, go on. So tell me a little bit more about this this group that they're a part of. So we, we talked about how uh, a lot of times the NPCs are, are part of a faction. So give me a little bit more to work with on the group itself. Is it all black puddings? Is it all sorts of like random creatures that have kind of formed their own dungeon crawl? What's going on with these guys? Yeah. So uh, as far as, you know, oozes in general, uh, they all have some, you know, relatedness to this Jubilex fiend. Um, you know, it's just this. This faction's all about 
keeping what's theirs theirs um you know this dungeon uh of sorts is a, a very deep dungeon that may or may not lead to you know more fiendish types um as you know the further down you go uh potentially um but you know at the very highest levels you have you know creatures that you know keep uh keep to themselves but then the you know use a few gelatinous cubes maybe a few goblins uh there isn't really a lot of you know synergy there uh per se but then as as you go down they want there it's just territorial for the most part um but you know heroes and you know our adventuring party uh just they want to be able to collect things uh there's a few games out there now that you know this is conceptually you know perhaps they're you know trying to get supplies for their uh shop uh on the on the surface uh they're trying to you know get different items uh the rarity from previous heroes that have uh not made it um but you know just the nature of oozes in general but black pudding uh has that level of dissolvingness so there's always that time factor or there's always that well had we you know hurried uh you know maybe we would have gotten those items that they just happen to dissolve or maybe they are intentionally dissolving them that's what we're here to make a couple of different monsters and see what okay what comes okay. up from it um so um, i'm looking looking at the base stats for the black pudding uh and the the little write-up um, and it talks about this being under the control of Jublex mm-hmm. or, or Jueblex. It actually uh, is. Yeah. I'm not I, sure I, that I've ever I, heard it pronounced, but I think it might be Jublex, uh, but like J O O Jublex. Got it. But, okay. Yeah. So, so it's sentient if it is under the control of this demon. So we should assume uh, that our particular version, as it becomes a little bit more powerful, will probably uh, have that characteristic going on for himself, right? Exhibit a little bit more demon likeness, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and but that's the assumption is how it becomes intelligent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we do have the example if we needed to work with it also because. We talked about starting with the base, which is we'll we'll walk through the stats here on on the black pudding. Um, but you have the dungeon of the mad mage. There is an example of a fourteen intelligence black pudding. Um, so they do exist apparently. But yes, so base stats for this very interesting creature. Um, you want to walk through exactly how it's written in the in the stat block or do you have a plan for this no yeah i think that's a a good way to start so this is going to be like the starting monster that we've described in terms of the different uh you know types of npcs uh so the black pudding is a large ooze unaligned uh so it kind of just does its own thing normally uh armor class of seven uh hit points on uh, average of 85 uh speed uh normal walking and climbing of 20 feet it's got some strength at a 16, so plus three. Uh, Dex is slow at a five, which is a minus three. Uh, con, 16, so plus three. Intelligence, and again, based on, on you know what's written, it's a one at a minus five. 
uh, but we hope to maybe adjust that. Uh, wisdom is a six, a minus two, and then charisma is a one, a negative five. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, damage immunities to uh, acid, cold, lightning, and slashing. Uh, condition immunities to blinded, charmed, deafened, exhaustion, frightened, and prone. Um, it has a blind sight, meaning it could see, um, you know, anything um, within sixty feet, and a passive perception of eight. Well, and it's I also worth noting because this may come up in the development. Uh, beyond sixty feet, it is completely blind. So yes. It has blind sight of sixty feet, but it apparently doesn't really have its own senses beyond that. Uh, right. So, uh, DMs, if you're building around this creature, you're at 65 feet, it has no idea that you're there. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and base-wise, base, base wise, it doesn't have any languages. Uh, challenge rating of 4, uh, proficiency bonus of 2. So this, uh, this tells me, yeah. just looking at the, the base concept, it uh, between it having a lack of alignment... It virtually being immune to almost anything you can think of, uh, and, uh, whether conditions or a lot of different types of damage, and very, very poor uh, senses, uh, especially passive senses, and then no language, which means it doesn't understand language, and it also can't communicate on its own. This thing literally just kind of does what it wants. It's kind of like a, a very large... Um, bacteria of some sort, right? And so it's kind of doing its own thing. It doesn't really think. It doesn't really take orders from anything else. So that's kind of our, our base, what we're working with here. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we build this into something uh, more than that that actually becomes a, a rival for an yeah. adventuring party. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as right far now, as... it just it doesn't care about right. anything. Yeah. It just it lives. Got it. it okay, cool. Exactly. Uh, some other things about it. Um, it is amorphous, so it can uh, move through a space as narrow as one inch without uh, squeezing. Uh, it has a corrosive form. Uh, so a creature that touches a pudding or hits it with a melee attack, while within five feet of it takes, uh, on average, four acid damage. Any non-magical uh, weapon made of metal or wood that hits the pudding corrodes after dealing damage the weapon takes a permanent and cumulative minus one penalty to damage rolls if its penalty drops to negative five the weapon is destroyed uh, non-magical ammunition uh, made of metal or wood that hits the pudding is destroyed after dealing damage uh, pudding can eat through uh, two inch thick non-magical wood or metal in one round and it has spider climb, so the pudding can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings, without needing to make an ability check. Uh, any thoughts on, you know, incorporating these uh, aspects to the to the creature? Yeah, the the amorphous makes it so that it, it there isn't really any question of how did it get here. This basically mm -hmm. says it can go anywhere that it wants without having maybe not underwater because i don't see any type of of swim speed or water breathing or anything like that but basically as long as there's air to breathe uh it's easy to put this creature literally anywhere in the game so that's that's nice that's useful 
Yeah. Uh, spider and climb also, kind of goes along with the climbing speed of 20 feet, uh, but most creatures who have one have the other, so that also works fairly well. Yeah, and, and for the corrosive form, that was kind of, uh, you know, just, uh, again, as I arbitrarily picked one for, for our workshop example, uh, that was kind of the hint of inspiration of why uh, why heroes might be a little upset. Yeah, that one, that one is, is this creature alone with that ability is uh, a good way to determine whether you have a very antagonistic GM or a, uh, or one that says, let's not do the black pudding, um, at least until you get magical weapons, because that is, that is beastly. Uh, the the weapon taking damage, ammunition not being recovered, and then um, uh, technically you could make an argument for um, it even eating through your, your armor itself. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's a mess. So yeah, I could see how if, if the creatures maybe, or the, the PCs were getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I could see if the PCs allow this thing to live, survive, come back to fight another day. If it gets more powerful, um, that they could have, yeah, this, this rivalry, this hatred for each other. I remember this thing. I can still see bits of, you know, my, my sword sticking out of it in this one spot. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that gives us a little bit of, uh, why in the world and unintelligent non-sentient uh, creature could create such animosity within an adventuring party. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll just finish up with the actions and reactions here. So the actions, uh, it's got one, the pseudopod. Uh, it's a melee attack plus five to hit. Uh, reach of five, one target, uh, and average six bludgeoning damage plus on average 18 acid damage. And then here's what you were saying about the armor. In addition, non-magical armor worn by the target is partially dissolved and takes a permanent and cumulative minus one penalty. Uh, if the armor is uh, destroyed, if the penalty reduces the AC to 10. Uh, so yeah, that can be uh, pretty pretty uh, bad there. And then the reaction, it's got split, which could be useful for what we want to do. Might not be. Um, when a pudding that is medium or larger is uh, subjected to lightning or slashing damage, it splits into two new puddings if it has at least 10 hit points. Each new pudding has hit points equal to half the original puddings rounded down. New puddings are one size smaller than the original pudding. Yeah, and this is an interesting ability because the um, hit points are lower, but it still has the same corrosive form and the pseudopod action, which damages the the armor as well um so yeah you could really kind of work something into there where it becomes tactically sound for the pudding to split itself down you know down the road if it gets a little bit more um intelligent and then even figure out a way to recongeal into its larger form again so yeah i've got i've got some some ideas rattling around here um the the damage to the armor is pretty rough for anything that has light armor because you're looking at just a simple plus one plus two. Uh, so if you're wearing leather, you take you know one hit and that leather is gone. You got nothing. 
Um, even things like hide, sudden leather, that's a plus two. You take two hits, same thing. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to eat through anything uh that the the players have available and then they're shuffling through their their bag looking for do i have any spare weapons on me all right okay okay so that's the base that's the base monster uh so as it is um let's be honest it's a it's a challenge for uh you're probably our, our adventuring parties are massive when we play so we're terrible examples of this but um challenge four uh i believe the idea is that what four yeah four four adventuring uh party members uh and then what level they're at at level uh, four yeah yeah uh and at level four you're not likely to have more than, you know, one or two magical weapons slash pieces of armor in a normal campaign, uh, like split between the entire party. Right. So this is fairly devastating, but uh, 85 hit points. It's not necessarily uh, all that beefy and it is easiest thing in the world to hit. I don't know that I've seen an armor class lower than a seven. <laughs> um, and maybe that's because depending on what type of damage it does, it actually, you know, it wants to split. Uh, I'm not really sure there. And it's slow. So this thing, especially if you can stay at range, you can keep from, uh, you plank it with arrows, you hit it with spells, whatever you need to do. Um, and, you know, you tell your barbarian to just go, you know, play tag with it or something. Uh, it's, it's doable if you don't get caught in a very small room and you know caught unaware i'm seeing that there's a description here in dim passageways the pudding appears to be a little more than a blot of shadow um it really is kind of intending to just lurk and lie in wait and then just kind of consume something that's not really fully paying attention um so yeah I, it's for for a four level four adventurers if you get caught off guard it's a problem if you can plan for it then shouldn't be that hard to deal with. So let's see what we can do to, to tweak this up a little bit. Um, let's work backwards first. Yeah. So, so if we're going with the base, this is the base monster, but we wanted to turn it into a mob of black puddings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would that look like? Um, you know, we talked about, you know, what that was before. Um, you know, we, uh, so let's just maybe do a, a reminder of like, you know, what kind of encounter and why would you have a, a bunch of easier black puddings? Yeah. So if you're if you're trying to uh, make your PCs feel like they can just like mow through the competition, um, then a mob is useful here. But I don't know that you're going to throw a black pudding mob at the the players if you're really trying to make them feel powerful that seems like the wrong approach but what i do think may work is if there's some sort of like an invasion things coming up from the sewers in a city and it's not a whole bunch of giant because these are large creatures mm -hmm. it's not a whole bunch of giant large oozes but it's maybe dozens upon dozens of small or tiny sized oozes 
that are coming up through the the sewage grates through um you know whatever uh, maybe it's even a corrupt well or a river that's been toxified in some way um and it's coming out and starting to approach the city you you're setting up a scenario where really bad things could happen. They're going to eat through the walls of the city. They're going to eat through the walls of the castle. They're going to start just like consuming houses. Um, or maybe they're all trying to congeal into a massive black pudding in the center of the city. And so you set the stakes there and the players have to take all of them out all around the entire city before, you know, a thing X happens. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where I would think that, that a mob might be kind of cool with this concept. Um, I think, I think the, the reaction to split obviously doesn't make any sense there. You would take that up away, but I would maybe replace it with a merge reaction that when, okay. a when a putting, we'll say just to make it simple, we'll say that it'll be a small creature these things Uh um and so it almost does the the opposite there of what's listed when uh, putting that is small uh moves into the same space as another pudding that is small it forms a medium sized pudding and uh the maximum hit points from one of the small doubles and it becomes now a medium black pudding um and so you you have a single creature with double the hit points. Um, and so that's the, the first tweak I would probably make. Uh, I, th- I feel like the immunities, the condition immunities, the senses, all of those pretty much have to say the same, right? Can you think of any reason why that wouldn't be the case? Uh, the only one um, that I'm kind of a little hesitant on is the slashing um, and the lightning, because as part of that split reaction, that's, that's how true. it splits. Uh, so true. with the merge, now that we're kind of looking at it that way, um, it might not be immune to those anymore because then it'll just bring them back down to the split, like almost like if we kept that reaction. Right. Um, or or maybe it they they don't have the merge ability whatsoever. And so we we take off the lightning and slashing immunity and they just take those as normal damage. Yeah. So they don't resplit, but that's the one way. The, the thing you normally don't want to do with a black pudding when they're smaller, that's actually the way that you kill them faster. And so if somebody comes at it with a longsword and it takes full damage and nothing bad happens, or somebody hits it with some sort of like chain lightning or, a, you know, lines up a couple of them with a lightning bolt or something like that uh, and they realize oh they took full damage now you have a little bit of a strategy pathway forward because uh you know suddenly they're not immune to everything right right yeah so i think that's how i would go the um the strength we would obviously drop uh we don't want them to necessarily do no damage but maybe putting them down to uh a 12 so they have a plus one that way there's still some sort of a bonus Uh um their damage may only be well and that's another option too they maybe will just do flat damage um rather than rolling maybe they just do two damage if they hit something like that um 
that's an easy way to limit what your mob, like how many dice rolls you're having to do anyway, is anytime any of them hit you, you just automatically take a flat amount of damage. Um, or maybe they don't do enough damage to do anything, but uh, I'm kind of talking out loud and trying to convince myself of this because I really wanted to get rid of the corrosive form. Um, but I feel like that small, they're still going to be just as corrosive. They're just not going to be quite as like painfully so. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, talk me through that. Does it make sense for them to be just as corrosive? I think um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the thought that the corrosive form actually happens if they merge. Okay. Um, then they gain the corrosive form. Okay. Yeah. And sure. then um, I think the idea though of, you know, the, the acidity of their attacks, even like they could maybe do like one point of bludgeoning, but the acid is still kind of the emphasis, right? Like, like the way it is for the black pudding. Oh, that's true. Know, that's true. It's, you know, not a lot of, bludgeoning damage but it's you know you feel the acid burn and like now you got all these tiny ones sort of just nibbling away and just sort of at your feet and well that's maybe uh, that's what you do is you take away the bludgeoning completely yeah. so you can even lower the strength down to a 10 uh, so there's no strength bonus there's no bludgeoning damage but it still does with 3d8 acid damage instead of the 4d8 that's on the main one yeah it you're not getting you're not getting slapped with it, but it's still as it's kind of engulfing or it's like oozing over your shoes or you know climbing on your arm, it's starting to eat through. Yeah, so it's not like something that it seems less likely to hit if you take away the strength. Yeah. Um, and so, but when it does, it slipped you know into your armor, and now you're really feeling that acid damage still. Um, so even though you know they're not as strong and less likely to hit um you know you still recognize that if you don't deal with them the acid could be a problem yeah i think that that works uh so we we talk about dropping strength to 10 dex is already like non-existent anyway that probably is fine as is although you can make the argument if this if you were making a, a flat monster creature I would make the argument that you would want to raise the armor class because they're because so much smaller, smaller they're harder, harder to hit. hit. Yeah. yeah. But again, if you're making a mob, the idea is for you to mow through all these. So you don't want to necessarily make a, a whole, you know, imagine running a combat with 20 of these on the battlefield all over the place. Maybe not the only thing that you're even fighting, but 20 of these all over the place. And then your level four characters can't hit them. Like yeah. it, it's one thing to have 20 of them, 40 of them, and, you know, you can do some of the stuff we talked about before where you can cleave through two or three of them in a single round, all that type of stuff. Um, and after the first round, suddenly you look around and you're like, oh, we got most of them. But in, in yeah, if, if they're not hitting, then that becomes a grind real fast. So, yep. yeah, so armor class seven probably still makes sense. They're so slow as it is that it still makes sense there. Um, hit points. Yeah, I, so I think the... I was going to say, I, I think the, 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 I guess, problem is if you're dealing with 20 of these, if they all start climbing up and over a wall, like, what do you do? You know, like there's, it just creates other things to think about, which is good without like, oh, I swung and I missed and I just can't hit them because they're very fast. You or know? For, for a creature like this, they don't even need to go up and over a wall. They can eat right. three 
eat through two inch thick, non magical wood or metal in a single round. So they just may two or three of them chew through an entire wall section and just keep on right on going. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so armor class is probably fine. Their hit points is listed as 85 for the, the normal creature. Uh, but it's got 10 D 10 plus 30. We obviously want to knock out whatever the plus 30 it's assuming that's like a level 10 creature. Um, cause it, you know, plus 30 with a con of plus three. Uh, so we're, we're looking at a much more simple creature. Um, so maybe at most 10 hit points. Uh, and I would argue possibly less. This might be the type of thing that if you can, if you can damage it before it merges, then it's not that hard to kill it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, like we talked about before, like mobs should not have a lot of hit points in general. And, you know, if you're thinking about 10 or 20 or even more on the field, uh, you want to be able to, for both, you know, ease of combat and for the players to feel good. The, the, the point of mobs is to get through swaths of these without feeling like it's bogging things down. Um, yeah, so maybe we set it at like a five hit point. That way, if you you might be able to you know plink it with your your dagger, but if you happen to get a roll a one on your d four roll, you maybe just barely leave it, and then it gets a chance to attack you. Uh, but for the most part, you know, rolling anything outside of a one with a d four weapon, uh, you're probably going to kill it. Right. Uh, so that that probably works, I think. Um. So strength decks con. Um, so at that point, it doesn't really get a con bonus. So con, we can drop it back to a 10. Mm-hmm. Um, intelligence doesn't change. Wisdom, charisma don't really change. They're, that's just kind of innately who the, the creature is. Yeah. But I think we've got all of those built out. The amorphous stays. Um, the amorphous makes even more sense at that point. The corrosive form, I think I like that you uh, make that added back in once once they merge. I think that yeah. works. Now, here's the thing. We talked about making it so that when they merge, they double in hit points. But if they're going from 5 to 10, that's still not really that impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. Do we Do we keep it at 10? Because then they're still... They may take a couple of hits and with the corrosive form, now people are a little iffy on what they're hitting it with. Do you think that's still sufficient? Because again, we're still, even if they merge, they're still kind of part of a mob or do we want to make him a little beefier at that point to make it really like you don't want them to merge? Well, I mean the, uh, you know, if you are going to have a large amount of them, uh, right. Then, you know, maybe if, if they, you know, if a handful, whatever that number is, we can maybe talk about that, like merge, it just actually forms a black pudding. Well, that was uh, what I was going to assume. If we wanted to go to the full like extent of this, if you have, if you have two smalls that merge to a medium, if you have two mediums, it should also then merge to a normal black pudding again. Yeah, if if the hit points kind of equate to that, I think that makes sense. But you know, we're we're focused on mobs and not necessarily a, uh, a middle. You know, in the middle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking, like, if you know, six of them combined, then we just get ourselves a, a you know full black pudding. 
Yeah, I was just kind of reverse engineering mathematically right. there. Yeah. Um, which sounds like it would only take four. Okay. Now we could do the opposite though and and say that these little tiny swarm ones are tiny creatures. The uh -huh. two tinies okay. makes a small, two smalls make a medium, and two mediums make a large. And at that point you need what, eight? Or 16. Uh, to make a large, uh, again, two two tinies to make a medium. Uh, I'm sorry. We two added, tinies to make a small. Yeah, we added tinies all, all of a sudden. Yeah, um, yeah we, two tinies okay. to make a small. Yeah, I think it would be 16 then to make yeah. a full large. Which So then, then it becomes kind of a, a threat that both the GM and the player hopes doesn't have to happen. Because yeah. then, then it becomes a full-on fight instead of a, right. just a mob. Uh, but I guess if you're, you know, too busy screwing around with other stuff and you know flirting at the tavern and you don't necessarily respond in time, then, you know, who knows? That's or or you build it into the into the uh, scenario that as you go running out into the town square and you see these dozens and dozens of tiny creatures, you see two medium sized ones, uh, give each other a high five. And as they do, they merge into a full size, large black pudding. Right. And so you have a single black pudding of normal monster stat and then all of your mobs. And now you kind of have set the stakes of you. Now, you know what happens when they merge. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. Okay. Um, so Corrosiform gets added with the reactions. All those can say spider climb obviously stays. We kind of fix the pseudopod so that it does what three D eight acid damage, but no bludgeoning. Um yeah, and a that's, plus a plus what zero to hit? Or plus two, sorry, plus two with the proficiency bonus. Yeah, does it keep the proficiency bonus of plus two? I yeah, I would think so. It probably would have to, otherwise it's gonna be it's going to be yeah, kind of rough to to miss. Um, and the other option would be potentially uh, to make it uh, the way some swarms do, where they just kind of engulf them and you almost have to make like a deck save to avoid like, getting engulfed. But I think for simplicity's sake, we'll, we'll do the, yeah, plus two to hit probably makes the most sense because there's no strength bonus at that point. We'll keep the proficiency mm -hmm. bonus. So yeah, plus two. Give them a shot. And that's a mob. Or that mob. is the makings of a mob. So you keep the hit points <laughs> low. Uh, you give a threat of some sort and a reason why you're throwing so many of them at the, the players. Um, or at the characters, I guess. You could throw them at the players, but that would be a lot of chocolate pudding. <laughs> um, but it's full immersion, I guess. I guess. Um yeah, and so it's not the type of thing that I would do a lot, but it certainly would change it up from people just saying, oh, fighting another black pudding to they're doing what in the what? And right. how many did you say? And it also, like you said, like maybe now now the you know characters have to decide to face the the main you know, large black pudding that high fives at the very beginning or deal with the mobs, you know, because if they don't deal with the mobs, they're going to be facing a couple more fully yeah. sized. Yeah. And that gives your, your more tactically sound 
uh, players some things to work with, uh, especially if their character, if they're not metagaming and their character actually knows a little bit about black puddings and they know the corrosive nature, um, they can try to say, hey, you know, everybody who has ranged weaponry, these particular spells focus on the big guy. Everybody who's got the smaller stuff, uh, take out the small ones and then we'll reconvene over here. You know, whatever you do, don't let more of them form that type of thing. Uh, so you yeah. can kind of be a lot more tactical, strategic as a, a character as well, which makes it fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could keep that, you know, tacticalness, even if you aren't aware of black puddings by just, you know, letting the guard say, I, uh, you know, I, I swear I saw like, you know, the, the ruins off in the distance or larger just the other day, you know, if they don't investigate, then the next day it's like, I don't even see them anymore. And then all of a sudden there's a swarm coming towards the, you know, the castle. Then it's like, Oh, I think I might have an idea where the, where the ruins went. Yeah. Or, or even as you know, you're, you're running out to, to face them and you see some of the town's guards running away with like just in their stockings, you know, no weapons, no <laughs> armor. And you're like, what just happened? It ate through everything we've got. Yeah. Yeah. You can give yeah. them some, some hints. I like it. All right. That let's, works. Uh, let's, let's move on to a champion. Uh, again, let's, let's kind of just re summarize what that, what that looks like. Uh, and then kind of focus on, uh, you know, in the context of a black pudding. All right. So uh, a champion is the, if you're having a fight with a couple of standard creatures and then you have one that either shows up late to the fight or one that maybe even initiates the fight, you want to have something where everybody's eyes lock on this particular creature or this particular NPC mm -hmm. and say, that's the one that we need to worry about. Um, you need to make it obvious by what he, what they say, what they do, or maybe an ability that they use right off the bat. Um, and so a lot of this is going to be upping uh, the stat block or giving them features that even th the players say, well, I thought I knew what that was, but that creature doesn't have that ability. So what's going on? Um, so yeah, that's that's your champion. A way to take your your monster. Maybe it's in in this instance that which I guess we're gonna have to build it out. What if you had a, a desire to use a, a black pudding, um, but your players are already level ten. They all have magical weapons, magical armor, and the black pudding doesn't really do anything to them. But you still like the concept of it. Well, you can turn it into a champion and tweak some of the abilities a little bit to still make it a challenge. So I think that's what we're going to try to do here. Yeah, and and I think just to kind of circle back and from from the beginning, like you know the the adventuring group maybe lost uh, a lot of their weapons in that one dungeon that had the black pudding. Well, as you know, time progressed, the adventurers went and continued other quests. They, they got more powerful, but at the same time, the black pudding also grew and also became a bit more sentient, a bit more, this is my dungeon now, uh, a bit more protective of its territory. And there's now a rematch. The goblins, again. the goblins in the dungeon, Dug too deep. They dug too deep and uh, the black pudding. Yeah. Uh, the black pudding itself was like, okay, this is my area now. And, uh, and, but, but yeah, like you said, the adventurers are, you know, 10th level now and they came for a rematch or realized that another quest kind of brought them back. 
what, what would they be facing against? Well, the the number one thing that you don't expect uh, a black pudding to do is talk. Yeah. Um, so that would probably be the thing that would immediately make everybody say, wait, what is <laughs> to either give them some sort of telepathic ability so that you hear the thoughts in their head, which I love doing both for uh, like players, uh, like pl- characters that I make and NPCs. Just having a voice in your head out of nowhere is so unnerving. Um, so that would be fun. But even allowing them to, uh, you know, you see like this big gaping maw open up in the middle of this pudding and it starts to kind of flop back and forth. And as it does, noise comes out of it that sounds like it's talking to you. And you still have this idea of, wait, what is going on? Puddings can't talk. Right. Um, so that would be the, the immediate indication to the characters hey this is something more than just a standard black pudding but you obviously can't leave it just at that because okay a black pudding that can talk that's almost just a novelty but still kill it right Mm -hmm. and you can still especially at higher levels kill it pretty easily so you got to do a little bit more than just allow it to talk give it some you know motivation like you said where it's remembers these these uh characters and coming back for revenge that type of thing whatever the case is uh you're gonna have to up the stats so let's take a look at the stat block again um we do have something to build off of that we can work a little bit with um there is in one of the adventures dead in thay uh there is an elder black pudding uh and i look back and forth on it and as far as i can tell the only thing that's different it's still even listed as a challenge level four uh, with proficiency bonus of plus two. As far as I know, everything is identical, uh, but its hit points instead of 85 is 130. Um, so that's one of the easiest ways to you can up the stats of a regular monster to make it a champion is drastically increase the hit points. Um, it even says 10 D 10 plus 30. So what they did was max the hit points. Gotcha. Um, and that's probably a good starting point. If you want to not have to reinvent the wheel too much, um, instead of doing average hit points, max your hit points, and that becomes champion right there. Uh, you may not even have to tweak a whole bunch of the other abilities, just the fact that it's going to survive for one more round to do mm-hmm. one more onslaught of whatever it's going to do may be enough to give the characters the idea that there was something more to this. But... We're a little bit more sadistic than that, so let's let's see what else we can do. All right. Um, so, another way you can you can make this thing to be more uh, out to be more of a champion would be obviously to go from large to huge. I don't know if we want to do that with this thing. Uh, maybe not yet, but it is an option for us to consider that would increase the size uh, dramatically with still the amorphous. A description where it can still squeeze through any crack which is terrifying yeah i mean the the idea of something being amorphous you know to fit in a one inch uh wide space and then being a large creature already which is 10 by 10 feet is is terrifying yeah uh you know to go over to now what 15 by 15 is just you know yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're, you're talking like something looming. that can squeeze underneath the crack in your bedroom 
and then uh, fill up the entirety of your bedroom with you yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like adventurers are now afraid to sleep, right? Because I don't know whether they're going to wake up uh, or they get engulfed in acid. <laughs> right. Um, especially if they realize this thing is sentient. So you're starting to kind of almost get some personification going on at this thing. So conceptually, I like the idea, but it also makes it a much bigger, literally bigger target. Yeah, yeah. so let's keep it at large for now. I think think large is fine. But I think, you know, redefinition, right? It's, It's not just a puddle. You know, I, in my head, you know, these things obviously corrupt, uh, you know, armor and weapons. Like, what would happen if it was like, what if I didn't fully eat it, but I used it? You know, so now you have like these bits and pieces of uneaten pieces of armor starting to coat the outside of it. So it's yeah, like... And- and I mean, you're almost, you're almost yeah. looking at like the way a gelatinous ooze might be smart enough to do that where it almost armors itself. I don't know that the black pudding can stop being corrosive to the touch, but my guess is that over time okay. as he absorbs so much of it that he starts to maybe take on some of the properties of these things. Yeah. And so that might be a good explanation that, um, you know, it's, it's, eaten through so much you know metal and wood and armor that uh it's almost developing like a carapace of its own that it may not be yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah Yeah. um and so it may even be one of these things that if you if you know exactly what these characters have lost in items to that particular you know if you had a paladin that was wearing plate mill armor well the next time they face them if you are what you eat, maybe your black pudding champion has no longer has an armor class of 17, but has an armor class of what is it? 16 or sorry, of, of seven. It, it's now what 16, whatever the base for, for plate mail is because it ate through the, the paladin's plate mail armor. Yeah. Um, you know, or if it just ate a couple chunks of, you know, the, uh, the leather, that the rogue was wearing, maybe it's just a plus one, maybe it's armor class of, uh, of eight or 10 or something like that. Um, but you can kind of build that out to uh, fit with uh, the story of how it came to be in the first place, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And you can see how this starts to build in more depth to the story. Uh, and it's not just a matter of, of increasing the difficulty for your combat, which obviously you want to do that as well, but we're, we're looking at ways to kind of add flavor to the story. And so that's one way to do it. Yeah. The other thing, again, just you, you made me think like the corrosive nature, if it's tr- still trying to eat a piece of magical armor. Yeah. It know? may be, it, it may have, uh, well, either now or at a higher stage in its evolution, it may actually have that capability. If it's just a simple plus one magic or you know, if it's just listed as magic but doesn't have a statistical bonus, well, it can still eat through that, you know. Or or maybe it can eat through all uncommon magical items, but if it's you know rare or higher, then it can't. You know, you could have those types of stipulations. Yeah. 
Um, the uh, other thing I'm thinking of based on how the interactions have gone so far, or maybe how, uh, who this black pudding has been interacting with in this dungeon, uh, is the language. Maybe uh-huh. it's been around, uh, these particular adventurers or these particular, if it's goblins that we talked about before that are kind of digging around in there, maybe it actually understands a little bit of goblin and a little bit of common. Um, and so those are the languages that it speaks similar to like a parrot that starts to mimic or even a kinku that starts to kind of mimic the words that it's been hearing um, and doesn't necessarily uh, have the capability of formulating its own words necessarily so you could go different routes with that as well i think yeah or uh because uh you know we mentioned that it might be a uh a fraction of a demon's uh mind it might also know a little you know a couple words here and there or something yeah that's infernal yeah yeah i think that's that's definitely probably the way we need to to go with this um our strength deck definitely Uh, stays at least at the normal stat block. And if we want it to be, so at this point we need to decide, is this just intelligent enough to be communicative or is it intelligent enough to start to be um, magical in and of itself? Basically, are we making this a a physical champion or a magical champion? Hmm. I think we should uh, make this a, a physical champion okay but i i think i like the idea of having a little bit more a little bit more language to at least have a conversation with the uh party um you don't know if that'll you know it could make for some interesting role play uh if they want to try to you know yeah just you know see what they do with a with an al sentient uh you know black pudding like do they try to still fight it does it care uh you know it it gives it personality and i think uh you know maybe we can talk about that uh next but let's let's start with just the physical properties but have it at least be sentient enough to know and understand at least you know common based on what it either picked up or again you are what you eat uh from you know the adventures that it has feasted upon um, or overheard while it waited in silence in a one inch wide crack in the wall. Um, you know, different things. Okay. So, so we want the intelligence to be a little bit higher. Uh, it intelligence of one means it literally by definition can't communicate. So we want that to be higher. If it doesn't necessarily need to be overly intelligent, we could make it an intelligence of, of maybe eight. and It would be able to have, probably the same level of conversation that your party barbarian can have. Yeah. Uh, which is probably fine if that's what we're looking for. Uh, if we want it to intentionally be the type of creature that suddenly is much smarter and much more tactical in its thinking, then we want the intelligence to be higher. Uh, but if it, if it's just going to be intelligent enough to have communication and then it's still more instinctive, then we probably want to increase the wisdom instead. Um, and I'm thinking that's probably the case for this for multiple reasons. So the, the base wisdom is, is a six, but what we probably need to do is up it to, I would say at least a 12, if not a 14, 
Um, and the reason I'm saying this is for two things. Um, number, number one, um, again, the idea of fighting based on instinct and based on kind of learned behavior, uh, based on what it's picked up in fights so far that it's survived through, uh-huh. um, would be instinctive. Um, but also because I want to increase the blind sight beyond 60 feet and that's going to require a higher perception, which means the wisdom has to be higher. Yeah, uh, possibly. Um, we could always add it a, add a skill, um, you know, proficiency of a higher thing for strictly perception. That's um, true. That's true. But if, if the wisdom is six, but it's perception, it has a bonus that doesn't make a whole lot of sense there. So we should probably at least make the wisdom a, a 10. That way, yeah. giving it a perception bonus makes it a little bit more sense. And we can yeah, do that like, as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, with higher wisdom, it might start asking the self-reflective questions of, am I the bad guy? Uh, maybe, maybe there are some, there are some, uh, creatures out there, uh, like even like the, the beast type creatures where wisdom is a little bit higher, just the intelligence is low. Mm -hmm. And so they are just tactically extremely smart. Um, but they still are fighting 100% on instinct and they don't necessarily think, uh, about, you know, what you're describing the, uh, existential questions. Um, yeah, I think, it, but, I think but their base... survival skills are high. The we're thinking uh, again, probably in more philosophical terms. But in terms of D and D, your survival skills are high, your perception is high, and even your insight potentially could be a little bit higher with a higher wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, do you um, think uh, like a base ten for wisdom, and then base ten, and maybe skill? give it perception uh, yeah. skill bonus? Sure. Um, and again, that could be. You know, oh, we have another black pudding. It's the exact same size. We know what happens if we get too close to it. So let's just stay at least 60 feet away, 65 feet away, and it's not going to even notice that we're there. And suddenly you get to like 80 feet and it's like, I know you're there. And not only did it pick up on you, but it's talking to you. All right. Yeah. So that's that's the effect I'm going for, I think. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, let's see. So we go 80 feet. Line sense. And we still need to figure out, uh, so if it's wisdom is a 10 passive perception would be boosted by its base perception. We just give it a perception of plus two, which gives it a 12 passive perception that gives it enough of that effect without making it overly you know, smart and perceptive. It still is blind after all. Yeah. Or I guess whatever the proficiency bonus is at that point. Well, we're still just making a champion. So we're not necessarily making it, you know, we're not really increasing the proficiency bonus. The challenge is going to be a little bit higher potentially, but proficiency bonus probably is about the same. I think. Um, Uh, As far as senses go, you, you mentioned 80. I wouldn't be opposed to 90 only because I feel like that's that more, makes more sense for how they, yeah. yeah, everything is in kind of blocks of, of 30. 30. That's true. Okay. Um, amorphous still works corrosive form. I think that probably stays as is. Um, it's still like the terrifying 
experience and you don't want to necessarily just because it's a having a minus one permanent every time it uh, touches the thing for the weapon is bad enough to have it do minus two every single oh, yeah. time is yeah so i think corrosive form probably just stays um armor class so we say so the dexterity probably is still the same uh armor class did we decide we wanted to oh variable variable armor armor class based on what it's absorbed mm-hmm. and you can kind of stat it that way and just remind yourself based on how it how it plays out uh hit points max uh something else that would make it a bit more you know physically fit i guess uh would be to up the speed now the climbing might still make sense to keep it a little lower potentially uh but you know making it 30 feet even instead of 20. that's true uh we would probably have to then up the decks as well i think part of the reason why it's so slow like it's 10 feet slower than average because it's only got a dex of five gotcha but that would also up the armor class theoretically as well because it's a dex is minus three modifier well the dex is minus minus three modifier which gives it the ac of seven instead of the base 10. at least if you're i mean you can homebrew however you want but that's at least the the nuts and bolts of how they came to some of these numbers i think gotcha yeah yeah. um I, i i think I like the idea of it still being uh, still being slow, but I have an idea. When we get to the actions, I'll I'll throw this at you. But I th- I think that that may kind of encapsulate what you're trying to do, but in a different way. So hold that thought. Okay. Um, so let's keep the decks the same. If we're just maxing the 10d10 plus 30 hit points, then the con probably stays the same. So we're really we're upping the w- intelligence and the wisdom a little bit. And we probably either want to increase the strength or, again, do something a little bit more fun with the actions, which I think is what I'm leaning toward. Because, again, we're just kind of slightly tweaking. We're not creating a new creature. Yeah. So we make it smarter, we make it more instinctive, and we leave the other stats the same. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump to the actions then. Okay. So first thought is, uh, and I've got a couple. First thought is um reach okay 10 foot reach means it doesn't have to necessarily be faster but because it's smarter it knows now it can actually extend that putting arm just a little bit further and give it a 10 foot reach which makes it potentially as effective as making it faster sure um so that's one thought and so it can actually hit you know potentially you know, further away. And so anybody that's trying to stay, be, be smart, tactically smart based on the last time they fought and stay 10 feet away and just keep backing up or whatever. Well, now 10 feet away is not far enough away for this thing. So that's, that's one thought. Uh And so that kind of factors in the speed thing a little bit there. Um, the other thing I'm torn on whether to give it a multi-attack. Um, so now it's pseudopods, plural, um, because there's a number of other creatures that have that same type of thing where it has two or three attacks um, or still have it do a single attack, but massive increase to the damage. You know, it's not just that it slops upside your head. 
but right. now it's instead of doing 1d6 plus 3 it's doing 3d6 plus 3 and the additional acid damage that was already there and so now you're like it's concussive force where you're used to it just kind of slapping you lightly gotcha. i don't think you need to do both although i could be swayed in that regard too but having multiple attacks potentially hitting multiple targets and potentially reducing the ac that is terrifying like it could do minus one ac three different times in the same <laughs> round yeah do you, um, uh, do you think that would be a bit much for a player that doesn't have magical armor like the, their armor is going to go pretty fast. Well, I think maybe at that point you build the caveat that if they get either that the pseudopod arms can't, they have to find a different target. Each of them have to find a different target, which I think there are some creatures like that. Um, or you say that they can only take the, um, the armor acid damage once per round. I think either either one kind of helps to mitigate that a little bit. Um, and, and either one that encourages the pseudopod, again, because it's a little bit smarter and a little bit more instinctive, it's still wanting to do what it does, which is absorb everything. And so now it's actually looking to attack multiple targets in the same round uh -huh. instead of focus fire on one. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, something else that might uh, work... Uh, is adding the poison condition to its attacks. Well, poison and acid aren't quite the same, though, right? It's it's not right. I agree with that, but just adding that level of, uh, it's kind of that like corrosive touch. Yeah, I uh, guess there isn't really another condition that works like that, is there? No, not to my knowledge. Pathfinder has a few more, like sickened and stuff like that, um, yeah. that that maybe would work for this type of thing. But uh, so then the question becomes: if you're poisoned uh, and you're already taking potentially negative on your damage rolls, and potentially already taking negative AC, is the poison condition too much? Yeah, that's that's the question, right? Um, and you can mitigate that a couple of different ways. Uh, maybe they have uh, a DC check um, to not even be poisoned, you know, a con check of some sort um, of a reasonable DC, but something that is failable, right? 12, say, uh, or you, and, and they have to make the con save before they, you know, lose the condition, or you have the con save for one round uh -huh. if they fail it. Or there's no con save. If they hit, they get poisoned, and but it's only lasts for a round, and there's no save at all. Because there are a couple of creatures that do that. That's probably a little too uh, penalizing, especially as this thing can literally eat through all of your <laughs> items as it is. Right. But a, sim a simple con save that's almost more of a threat, but if somebody just happens to roll bad, uh, then they get you know, they get an additional effect that may work. Another option may be to give it an aura okay. uh, of that same, that same type of corrosive aura uh, where it just kind of it, the acidic caustic nature of the thing burns in your lungs. 
uh, and you get the poison condition. You know, if you go within its, you know, basically if you're melee adjacent to it, um, then you have to make a save. And I think there's there's a lot of creatures like troglodytes that have that type of thing. And if you make the save once, then you're immune to it for the rest of combat. Uh, but the first time you come into the range of the stench and mm-hmm. you know for the troglodytes, but for this thing, the corrosive aura, you kind of are gasping for air, that type of uh, of thing, and you have to make the con save. That may work. Um, yeah, yeah and, and so that that could potentially work as well. I'm one open other, to either option. Yeah, one other thought. I want to see if... Uh, I, I'm not sure if I have buy-in yet, but the idea of it being slow, and it's obviously formidable when it's at melee, right? What if like, it had just a... Not, I don't want to say innate, but like a base uh, spellcasting of web. Um, whether that's, you know, so many times per day. Um, but then just it's, it casts it. You get stuck in some of its, you know, unsentient or non-sentient pudding. And it just slowly makes its way towards you. And you have to like, you know, dig your, dig your boots out before you can even do anything. Uh, you know, to try to get away. Similar thought here, but something that doesn't necessarily take as as much like additional action is if you do the pseudopod, uh, mm-hmm. instead of doing the the poison, uh, it now grapples you. Yeah, make it a little bit more gelatinous, like right? Uh, because again, you are to eat, so it's becoming a little bit more formative. It can actually take certain forms which mm-hmm. hold on to that for down the road because we, we have some thoughts on, on that as well. Um, and I've seen, I think I've seen some like web comics that, that use something along those lines, not with the pudding, but for some other weird gelatinous creature um, or even a mimic. I think I've seen one. Um, but yeah, if it's either grappling or, or possibly outright restraining as you see in the, the picture of the poor orc in the uh, the monster manual that goes along with the black pudding. Um, he doesn't look like he's going anywhere, but there's not really anything in the stat block itself that says that you can't. Right. So I'm wondering if maybe we we add that. Yeah. So so again, because we're making this a champion, we're not making it like a you know demigod thing. So let's let's simplify a little bit all the thought processes sure. here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we do the pseudopod. We keep it, uh, hmm. we do the pseudopod, we keep it with a single hit, I think. Um, it's, it's already beefier with the hit points, it's got the reach, it's got the higher uh, AC, it's going to notice him a little bit uh, more readily, all the corrosive stuff, so we don't necessarily have to do a whole lot to still make it a little bit more terrifying. So maybe it keeps the plus five to hit, at a 10-foot reach now, and the damage is still the same, but now they're grappled. And then on the next turn, another pseudopod arm reaches out and strikes another person, and there is no real limit to how many people can be grappled at any given time. It just forms another pseudopod limb and reaches out and punches somebody else, and you're still grappled until you break free, continuing uh, to take acid damage. 
yeah i think i think that would work so it doesn't need a multi-attack it doesn't need to increase the damage but as long as it's holding on to you it's going to still keep doing damage yeah i like it okay so we talked about reaction i think can say the same that doesn't really need to change as far as i'm concerned at least any thoughts on there uh no i don't think so i think uh splitting still makes sense two new puddings uh i would probably then maybe reduce the reach back to five with the smaller ones yeah Uh, yeah i think so that it would basically goes back to its normal yeah uh and without the you treat it like a normal black pudding stat block but just with half the hit points um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, we've talked about one way to make the champion a champion is to give it potential legendary actions, but I feel like we've tweaked enough of the creature as it is. Do we want to give it any type of legendary action? Um, I mean, things that I can think of, I mean, again, all depends on if you want to up the challenge rating. Uh, if you want to, you know, make this really beefy compared to a regular black pudding, if this is, you know, again, if the adventuring group is, you know, level 15 now instead of 10, um, you know, there's a few different options. I mean, you could have it spawn more things. You know, it might have a few other slimes or gelatinous items, you know, kind of working for it. Um, you know, it's... We mentioned about the getting poisoned. Um, Listen, you know, I've it, got a few ideas. I just don't want to make it too yeah. powerful. And I mean, I guess even at max, it's what, 130 hit points. It's not a, a lot. Um, so here's the two thoughts that I had. Um, one is to take advantage of those mob creatures that we made and uh-huh. have one legendary action that is basically shed. We'll call it shed. Uh, maybe something else plop. I don't know. Uh, but it's basically um, it can take a legendary action to spawn two, like from, you know, one from each side of it's like dripping, oozing arms. You know, each arm mm-hmm. drops a single tiny uh, black spawnling, you know, one of the mobs that we created. Um, and it uses the same stat block that we were using, including if those two merge together then they form a medium sized one. So right. given enough time, you could end up fighting a full size black pudding in addition to this champion one that we've got. Yeah. But as it is, it's still enough to cause a little bit of a distraction to be, to still have the same corrosive types of, of uh, effects potentially. Um, so that's one. So some sort of, I like plop, but I am willing to uh, be swayed on the name there. That's fine. That's good. Um, puddinglings. Jotting that down because I will forget that one. The other is um, some sort of like a healing thing where it can uh, congeal and like reabsorb some of the creatures that it's plopped out in order to heal itself back up. Um, okay. So I don't know whether it just automatically heals, you know, whatever the hit points are of the the little pudding that it absorbs. That's probably the simplest way to do it, but I don't know that that's necessarily effective. 
one legendary action to absorb up to five hit points doesn't really seem that powerful. Um, so I'm open to other thoughts on that, but I think that would make it a little more sustainable where you feel like, oh, we've, we've almost kind of hacked it down. And then suddenly it just almost starts to hoover up from yeah. around and suddenly it's like reforming when you thought it was about to drop. I would probably maybe treat this like, like a, like a healing version of like acid splash or something, you know, where like, depending on what level, you know, if it's a CR five or even higher yet, it might be, you know, 1d6, 2d6, um, so on and so forth. Hmm. Maybe it's based on the number of the oozes that it, that it sucks up. Yeah. I mean, we don't want it to be, I don't know if like the full amount I mean, well, but, I'm, I'm, I like if if it if it absorbs a single ooze, then it is one d six. If it's two, then it's two d six. If it's, I mean, if the party is dumb enough to let it drop, you know, eight to ten of these things on the ground. Number one, they're gonna have right. to face a whole bunch of them. But if it's within, you know, a ten foot radius of what it can kind of re reabsorb, uh, then ten d six because you let these things get out of control. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking that, but I'm also thinking because it has the potential to be more powerful, that costs two legendary actions. Right. Yeah. We're just I mean, dropping it, it, one, one. Yeah. Adding legendary resistances certainly will make it a lot more formidable. But you want to, you think in resistance as well? I mean, I mean it's already immune to almost everything. Uh, we got lots of different options, right? Let's, let's hold off on resistance. I, I think until we get at least another step down the road. Okay. Um, yeah, I think so because that's already got so much immunity. Like they, they hit it with, you know, a fireball or something like that and think, oh yeah, yeah. And then, oh yeah, well it failed, but it actually made the save on the one thing you could have done damage to. All right. All right. I think that's enough. So we have increased the blind sight, gave it a little bit better perception a variable AC, max out the HP, 10 foot reach, uh, the pseudopod now has grapple, which we can decide at a later point if we wanted to use this, whether that needed to have a an immediate strength check or whether to have a strength check with some sort of DC set um, just on the, the character's turn. Um, and then legendary actions of either creating these little pudding spawns or for two legendary actions, recongealing to form this, you know, to heal itself back up, basically. Can you think of anything else that would be super useful to make just a heightened, you know, oh, wow, type of version of this creature? Uh, I mean, I think that's that's probably good for now. Okay. I mean, again, we can always keep heightening it, which I might, you know, which might lead us into the next section here. Yeah. So the next one, um, we've we've done... Uh, the stat block version of this, but the next thing we talked about was the nemesis, right? Or some sort of thing to be a rival to either the entire party or the uh, a particular individual in the party. Maybe it was just that paladin who lost his plate mail uh, because he was the only one that was brave enough to stand right up in the way and so kept getting bludgeoned while the, the little wizard was magic missiling from the back, you know? And the, the rogue wanted to try to sneak attack with his arrows. 
Uh, and so every time the paladin brought up, oh, I lost my plate mail and the rogue said, why well, couldn't recover all six of my arrows? You know, uh, so yeah. so maybe maybe the paladin is the only one who looks at this black pudding as an actual nemesis. And everybody else is like, dude, give it a rest. <laughs> uh, whatever the case is, that's how we step into a little bit more of personifying this thing. Um, we've done enough of the stat blocking for now, but how do we turn it from a champion into a nemesis? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you definitely want to consider a few more things about its personality or uh, backstory, um, things that aren't going to be just, you know, a stat block. Uh, like you said, um, this is kind of where, you know, I, I think people should step in uh and have at least a few ideas uh if you definitely want to make a said champion into a, a nemesis um you know goals flaws bonds traits motivations uh things like that uh, i think definitely it goes a lot long you know goes a long way and it, you know gives them a voice we talked about now that it has you know a, a language and you know whether it's uh fun where you you know dribble your, your, your lips with your uh, finger going back and forth or, uh, you know, like you said, maybe it's uh, telepathy uh, and it just sounds very goblin-y or very infernal. Um, or like a goblin speaking infernal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you want to definitely kind of take those things, but then have that either be the antithesis of said paladin if that's the nemesis or have it be you know the overly exemplified version of the paladin or everything the paladin hates um you know so, definitely so let's dig into this a little bit for this yeah. particular example because if if we're talking about a sentient black pudding the mm -hmm. example it gave was uh one that is being possessed in some capacity by this uh jublex right mm -hmm. Um, so given that it is possessed by a demon or at least is being controlled in some capacity by a demon, um, what is its motivation at this point? Cause it probably isn't content to just sit around in the dungeon anymore. I, I mean, it makes for a really bad nemesis for it to say, Oh, if they ever come back, I'll attack them again. That's true. That's true. So what, what is getting it to get out of the dungeon or what is it doing to try to entice the PCs to come back to the dungeon? Because that could be what it's doing also. Yeah. So yeah, the, the question of whether, you know, to stay or not to stay in this dungeon uh, is, is definitely a good question. Um, I, I think, you know, if the first or second, you know, encounter, it mentions, um, you know, something that it's after, um, you know, or the party overhears kind of this weird voice, uh, you know, happening. I think for me, it, it'd be fun to at least have it stay in the dungeon in that example of them wanting or needing to kind of go back and get supplies from this dungeon right it's kind of maybe it's a it's a resource that's only here in this dungeon which gives it a much more recurring scene um but you know after time 
you know, once they, you know, encounter it maybe a couple of times that it might definitely want to be a bit more, you know, chaotic on, on the world as a whole. Uh, you know, we start with those tiny mobs that are trying to work its way into a town. Well, maybe the demon wants to obtain something that is in that town. Uh, you know, now you have the guards on alert, you know, if they befriended the you know mayor of that town to try and defend, uh, you know, there's personal stakes that the, the starting town that they've come to, to know and love with NPCs, Boblin, the goblin, you know, maybe his uh, family has been wiped out and you then come to know that it's because of a, again, that's same, uh, you know, black pudding that has uh, now kind of made its own lair, not too far from the city that you've come to know and love. Yeah. And, um, and let's be honest, a black pudding still is not that great of a host. So if, if a demon is possessing a black pudding, it's probably doing it as a temporary measure in order to find a better host. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, or, that would make sense. So it, if maybe it is using the temporary sentience of this particular pudding to try to draw someone more powerful in so that it could actually possess someone like one of the other PCs. Mm -hmm. So it could be doing this like reign of terror which is funny to think of that a black pudding has a reign of terror over a region. <laughs> but yeah, sending those little black pudding spawns, uh, like toxifying the, the local wildlife and the, you know, the water sources and stuff like that, all as a means to try to force the PCs to go back to that place that they thought was just a one shot dungeon at the time. And now to bring them back and they say, we have to deal with this once, you know, once and for all that creates this thing where there's this tension, this back and forth, we're maybe dealing with some of the symptoms, but don't even realize that the big bad is, at least in our mind, this black pudding that, you know, and I know uh, you guys have actually experienced one time a black pudding uh, and you intentionally like identified it uh, and said, we don't need to go that way. And just turned around and noped on out of the sewer and went a different direction. There was a whole bunch of stuff in that one fight. It was like the only fight you guys actively avoided ever in the campaign that we're running right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so it could have even been that type of thing that you left it out of the mercy of your heart and left it. Uh, you know, there, there could be lots of ways that you could kind of inject that type of thing. But now you're being forced to go back to this place to deal with it and you think that the big bad is the black pudding only to find out the big reveal is it's a demon that's possessing the black pudding so you kind of have a both end of a, a nemesis and also bbeg that isn't even the nemesis but is also at the same time kind of is yeah so and you, you know, like you build a whole bunch of lore into something that almost seemed like a silly little you know one shot fluff creature right yeah, and maybe we can go a little further into that uh, after after we you know talk more about the nemesis here. Yeah. Uh, so so if we're doing that, then there's there's probably some sort of um, whether they are a willing accomplice because again they started out unaligned. Whether they're a willing accomplice and doing whatever the demon wants them to do because they are in agreement with it or whether they are so non-sentient normally that the demon basically 
now just has a bodily form and there really isn't any give you know whatsoever because a black pudding is a black pudding and has no intelligence you know we could approach it different ways if if it's the the first then it probably has its own motivation what is it trying to get out of it from the demon what is it ultimately trying to accomplish all that type of stuff but if it's just a vessel with no sentience whatsoever then we basically have to personify it as whatever we would personify this demon to be right 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 so which which angle do you want to go with does it have a little bit of its own thing going on or is it solely just being personified by whatever the demon is personified as you know what because i am you know who i am let's 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 say somewhere in between right it okay. uh it at first was just a puppet you know it was a vessel uh but as the demon kind of came and went you know more sentience kind of stuck around and inside this black pudding so it definitely is aligned with this demon and at times might even be repossessed um but has you know its own moments of personality its own goals uh so i would say let's do a, a lot of overlap okay. um because it's almost like a spawn you know it's um it, that might be the the biggest impact uh personality wise on this black pudding is this is from this uh this fiend uh so there's going to be a lot of similarities but it might not be identical you sure. know it's like a it could be a facet it could be you know like the way a, a kid might you know have various similarities to a, a parent uh, but a, you know a younger child like it's it's new it really only knows this dungeon more or less um and you know a few other things past that so okay so it's uh part of its motivation and goal maybe is to see experience more of the world around it could be yeah um so while the demon wants to lure the adventurers in it is totally on board with that because when it sends its little spawns its mobs it gets a little taste of freedom that you know the the, the bigger world that you mentioned so yeah, that makes sense like, sure why not let's do that it sounds great i also feel like uh if we're going to personify it it is extremely possessive like it doesn't understand the concept of anything not being mine sure if i can touch it it's mine because that's just kind of the nature of what this creature is, is it just literally absorbs it and dissolves it into nothingness and becomes part of it. Uh-huh. Not really in the same way that a, a gelatinous ooze would do where you can still see it in there. This thing doesn't exist anymore because it is all me. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's know, possessive, but maybe if, if it gets sentient enough, it starts to have the aspirational goal of a little bit more malevolent of what if the entire world was just me me yeah and uh, you could definitely see you know where a demon would be coming from of like let's destroy it all let's make it mine um you know somewhere around those lines of total utter chaos but also me on top uh you know so I think those are, you know, that's a, that's a common goal. That's, I think, you know, if you were to say, what does, you know, uh, 
pile of dissolving acid and a demon heaven common. I that's definitely a good one. Right. Destruction. Yeah. yeah. Destruction and and mine. You know, yeah. that like you said, that possessiveness. Yeah, that makes sense. Um a, a flaw is probably its naivety. Right? It yeah, doesn't yeah. really know anything uh really outside of what the demon has told it and what it's experienced in this little dungeon. Um and, and so it almost has to kind of take everybody at its word because it doesn't even know the difference. Yeah. And I think that would definitely make for interesting RP because, you know, you're, you know, uh, the, the demon, uh, definitely said it's, you know, uh, teeth in the mind of the black pudding that's separate from the demon itself. But then if there's any RP between the adventurers and the black pudding, then it's like, well, you know, it might be confused. It might be naive on how certain things are, and it might just resort to that. Well, I want it to be mine, so it's mine. You know, like a like a toddler in a in a tantrum. Um, yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm thinking in general. Is that this creature is starting to shape up to be basically a toddler? Yeah, everything is mine. I get what I want, and I also don't really understand the world around me aside from what my parental figure has told me about the world and I believe everything that they say. Yeah. It's, or, or like maybe a little bit more like shut in, um, you know, with that still sense of, you know, I, it doesn't have to be tantrumy. It could be like, I still want everything. You know, I am entitled to it. I have that desire to have everything be me. Yeah. The, it's the only child toddler. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely the, I mean, Bond, uh, I think it spoke for itself with the demon. Um, you know, we could have a unique, uh, a unique bond with something, another creature uh, or creatures in the, yeah, in maybe, this dungeon. maybe one or a family of, of the goblins that are there. It, it could be that the goblins over time are like, it's almost become like the warlord. Uh, it doesn't realize it, that it is. It, it thinks it's kind of friends, but all of the goblins see it as like middle management for the demon. Yeah. Yeah. They all, they all fear it. So they're, you know, letting it do its thing and they'll sometimes work for it. Sometimes attack that local village or something, you know, in, in the name of the black pudding. Um, I think it might be interesting where like, you know, to, to kind of go back to the amorphous thing, if it, you know, can squeeze through, you know, such a small area and then kind of come out to this other area where there's like a spider, you know, like it's, they're totally separate, you know, uh, caverns or separate, uh, dungeons, but you know, it sometimes wants to you know it, it tried because to it's eat still got that childlike wonder and it wants yeah. to explore yeah yeah it wants to explore but maybe tried to eat the spider and a spider wouldn't let it and the spider didn't want to eat it as well it's kind of like the standoff so let's just you know like or like you know, maybe two animals that first meet each other for the first time you know they're like i want to explore no, i don't i don't want to bite it and, or <laughs> it's it's one of them eat your I, spider eggs yeah. if you agree not to eat my goblins and yeah yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, there's a, there's a bond there that you could totally have, um, or, you know, a unique bond might be, uh, a, uh, someone is a, a cult member for the demon and the demon said, all right, black pudding, there's someone that's coming in. Don't eat them. Person coming in, don't attack my black pudding and let's figure out some bigger plans. But, you know, maybe it's someone that comes and goes and shares stories. You know, the, the uncle that, you know, travels the world and comes back and tells stories. And at the same time is not a great guy or, uh, and helps lure, you know, different adventurers in with posting quests, you know, looking for rare herbs only found in this dungeon. Um, right. So that it's not all just strictly monsters all on the same side, but, uh, you know, you have that bit of, you know, intrigue of like, well, why, you know, the, the, you know, these people keep dying for the, you know, for the same quest. So it's a high, but it's a high paying quest. Do we take it? Do we not? Um, you know, it kind of creates a lot of questions there. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have another thought that I was holding and I don't know whether it comes up here in the nemesis or whether it comes up maybe in the next phase, but I feel like if the, if the black pudding got a little bit more, uh, a little bit more sentient, a little bit more curious and probably a little bit more communicative, um, or none of those necessarily, but also got a lot more malevolent and okay. uh, clever. Um, if it's able to start kind of taking on forms a little bit more then giving it abilities like alter self, uh, giving it even more of like a permanency type of thing where it is actually a black pudding inside, but it looks and acts like, a humanoid and is talking and having conversations and going into the town and maybe even meeting the PCs and they don't realize who this thing is. Maybe even trying to uh, hoist a quest on the PCs and traveling with the PCs and garnering the trust of the PCs as a fellow GMPC that we talked about before. But all behind the scenes, it's the same black pudding and you don't really notice it unless somebody's really paying attention when the thing gets damaged and it uh -huh. oozes this black seeping oil substance and the very quickly like patches it up, wraps it up, or maybe they heal very, very quickly in order to cover it up. And, you know, but so I could see that being a completely different route aside from like this, this toddler uh, type of childlike mentality of if it was a little bit smarter, a little bit more clever or had some different goal in mind, you could go a completely different route and have it actually start to personify a humanoid adventurer and start traveling with the party. Even if it was like a merchant or somebody that's like a non-combatant, although it would probably be fun to come up with ways for them to actually participate in the combat a little bit and really get the trust of the party along the way and then down the line there'd be a big reveal that oh you were doing all these things to further my evil plot or the plot yeah. of the demon lord or whatever right. um, yeah. and now the party feels super betrayed and it's that stupid black pudding again 
and <laughs> and maybe like the the last thing that happens is you know the the paladin goes to sleep at at night which you can't sleep in heavy armor uh without potentially taking your exhaustion and so the last thing that happens the last time they see this adventure is he absconds with the plate mail armor <laughs> and runs off again <laughs> Yeah, and I don't sure. know one person that's ever taken my plate mail and it's that stupid black pudding. <laughs> and they start putting two and two together of, oh, well, it bled black ooze and it stole the plate mail armor. And I like to talk about demons a lot. Maybe it's the same thing. <laughs> right. So it's two completely different approaches uh, to how to turn this thing into this, this nemesis. And either one of them sound like a whole heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and like, like, you know, and I guess there's nothing stopping you from doing both, you know? Right. That's true. Uh, you know, the more sentient it becomes and the more it wants to be a part of the adventures, you know, he wanted to see the world, got convinced by uncle cultists and his little, you know, mob minions of what he felt and was like, I'm going to do this, you know, like, you know, I really like my, my demon father but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna see the world myself and i i want to be an adventurer and i only know a couple of adventurers but let's get them you know let's hang out with them and pretend that i'm something that i'm not so he carries around a uh what he claims to be the party's bag of holding but it's actually a bag of devouring <laughs> it's just his hand that things are just <laughs> right he just opens up his hand and, yeah it goes in the bag of devouring and that's what he eats at night. He goes into his tent and just like empties out the contents and just pours it down his like liquefied <laughs> version of it down his throat. It's a smoothie maker. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that could, that could be like phase two where you or phase three, you know, phase one is the early dungeon thing. Phase two is where like there are oozes or the, I keep calling them oozes black puddings, little, spawnlings popping up all over the place terrorizing the town terrorizing the countryside you go in and you think you've dealt with the issue uh but it's really just kind of you know the the pudding has spawned a uh a stand-in you know and maybe you fight the champion version of it and you think you have finally done away with it but like the the master sentient ooze or uh pudding is still behind the scenes saying now that that leg of the journey is done, I found some people that I want to travel around with. And again, whether he's being uh, spurned on by the demon Lord at this point, or whether he's just kind of said, I've had enough of you, let's go do my own thing. And so phase three, uh, and so you can introduce three different variations of the black pudding being your nemesis in various ways in tier one, tier two, and now tier three of your campaign, if you'd like. Yeah. yeah and, and having like you said a, a master ooze i mean you know all it needs is an inch of space and it could still be connected to the original one that got destroyed right you know yeah uh, so that's that's an easy uh it's an easy thing built you know built into you know the amorphous feature yeah for sure Okay, so that's that's some good examples of the nemesis or the rival. Uh, the other two potentially don't require as much work because as far as I know, 
the way we talked about the legends and the deity is, is that they don't necessarily get statted out quite as much, but I think you may have something in store for me here. So let's go to legend first. Uh, re remind everybody of uh, what changes things from a nemesis to a legend. Yeah, so a legend uh, is something that's a lot more uh, story or lore that's, uh, you know, picked up throughout the campaign. Um, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, per, you know, there's different facets to the story. So different perceived motives from like who's telling the story uh, it could be the exact same you know, creature, but someone got slighted by them, someone praises them. And so you get different stories. Um, you know, they might not be ones, like you said, that are worth statting even, but they have a hand in it. They are, it's, it's a lot more vague. It's a lot more nebulous of how much, uh, you know, how much they are interacting indirectly or directly to the uh to the characters of the yeah, story. Yeah, it's a lot more mythologized. It's second, third, fourth hand information being passed right. on. And so uh you could get, like you said, two or three different tales of the exact same thing happening. And that's not how I remembered it. And because it's that's how a legend works. You you think of Conan or Hercules or some of these legendary heroes. King Arthur, how many different iterations have we heard of King Arthur? And all of them claim to be the definitive version but none of them actually match up. So that's what we're talking about when we talk of a legend. So how do we take a black pudding and turn it into a legend? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm cheating a little bit because there is lore on Jubilex, the, the slime. Okay. Uh, and sure. ooze demon i'm just going to read like the first sentence of it and then maybe that might give us a little bit more context for maybe what we do with the slime itself uh so in the description here it says called the faceless lord and the oozing hunger in ancient grimoires jubilex is demon lord of slime and ooze a noxious creature that doesn't care about the plots and schemes of others of its kind it exists only to consume, digesting, and transforming living matter into more of itself. Which, you know, before we even read that or even looked at it, we kind of started talking about that to a degree right. for this black pudding. Um, you know, if we wanted to make it more legendy, you know, having references, having, uh, you know, an old, ancient, uh, you know, battle that happened because too many people left the mobs to keep forming and forming and then you know now there was something that you know swathed over the land and just started corrupting and vaporizing sure. um, and, th and those are things you can start to drop and seed into your story early on you go to a particular tavern and the bard is reciting particular tales uh, or singing songs. And so I asked, well, what type of songs did I know any of them? And, you know, especially if it's somebody that's like a lore bard in your party or somebody that has good history or anything like that, um, you can kind of run. Uh, they talked about this story and this story. And there's this weird like legend that you're not sure whether it's regional or not, but it, it talked about, you know, the when when the oozes rise again or something like that you know you can have a little little hint or the last time that jublex you know 
rose to power, you know, little seeds of things, you know, they come across the book. Um, and whether you've introduced them as this creature uh, over time that has become a champ, you know, a monster and a champion and a nemesis, or whether you're just kind of holding on to it and seeding plots down the road until you can reveal more of that you're building the legend as part of the story and maybe you've held off on this entire black pudding creature until now yeah yeah like you know maybe you know instead of that nemesis that said you know reconnecting uh you know to to oppose each other um you know like you said there's just references there's text there's you know conversations there's bardic tales uh, there's something over across the lands, uh, or maybe even in the ocean now. For some reason, it, you know, maybe it got thwarted hundreds or thousands of years ago, and it's trying to reconform, you know, reform, uh, or it's you know cast to another plane of existence, um, you know, where you know slimes are prevalent. Maybe it's prevalent because it got you know plane shifted and no one was there to stop it um and it just sort of divided and multiplied um so, so yeah i mean so there's... what if we tried to if we tried to embed it into this this thing that if the nemesis wasn't fully dealt with uh-huh. and it continued to uh, expand beyond just a nemesis to now there are stories being told of this is bigger than us as a party this is um, or maybe this is more ancient than we realized or, you know, whatever the case is, we can maybe then go back to that humanoid iteration yeah. that we were, that we were toying with. Um, maybe the legend says that the only time, the only way for Jublex to actually succeed at his attempt to completely engulf the world is if enough, uh, black puddings or oozes are around where, you know, we're able to form up and merge and congeal, whatever the description is. Uh, and again, because it's a legend, they could be slightly different every single time. Uh, but basically they need to have so many of them become so prevalent that, uh, there's just nothing stopping them. And everybody says, well, that'll never happen because we can see it coming. We literally could see, all of these oozes or all of these puddings. Um, and we can put a stop to it, especially because we have adventures all over the place. Anytime there is a rise, you know, they're not going to take over an entire town, much less an entire realm and certainly not the entire world. But again, if you're seeding little thoughts throughout there and you saw, well, they almost took over a village that we were a part of. How do they do that? Well, it's because they took over a dungeon and they actually started coming up through the, the sewage area and you're seeding that idea down the road, right? And you've already kind of developed all of this and you thought you dealt with that. And now you have this new adventuring, you know, humanoid that's traveling with you. And what you don't realize is in the middle of the night, he's still using that plop ability uh-huh. and dropping the occasional oozes or the occasional slimelings wherever they go. And now you have black pudding merging with black pudding going into the sewage, going into the undergrounds. And the only hint that you have is maybe the occasional tree 
is starting to die out or maybe the occasional water supply is starting to get a little bit too toxic, too caustic. Um, maybe the occasional fence post or building that looks like it's dry rotting in a weird way. Uh, other than that, there's no real hints. And since your party continues to travel forward and doesn't usually double back and go back to a particular village, you maybe don't find out about this for a long time. And unbeknownst to you, you are actually participating in making the legend a reality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if, if this is kind of like a, a reiteration, you know, if this Jublex is there to just kind of bring about this destruction via a slime. So, you know, it, it gave it sentience and said, you know, go do your thing. Right. And just sort of left it alone, you know, and it is kind of a, again, it's like Jublex came back in another sense. Um, you know, you can have these uh you know black puddings you know like there's you know some missing person reports that start springing up and and almost like you said every town that you go through or you know um if they stay in an area like people start getting sick the water is getting you know corrupt you know tainted corrupted acidic um you know and now there's quests for getting drinking water and people getting sick and uh you know like what happens not the whole black pudding but if there's a hint of black pudding in the water supply and every time they take a sip like what is that doing to their insides with the corrosive form right um you know uh like like, like you said just as they bring it about uh or you know maybe they don't bring it about and it's basically making that you know, black pudding factory inside of the dungeon and or if they're drinking the water inside of the person, how long does that person continue to be that person before it starts to become another walking, talking pudding boy? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, not to, you know, turn this into a a, a body horror, body horror. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, but yeah, I mean, what happens when everyone in a town starts drinking black pudding unknowingly or thinks, you know, that that's, or when it rains and black puddings work their way to the coastal cities now on top of that, um, you know, if they're, uh, you know, splitting off and forming new, uh, black puddings but can also fit in a you know one inch space like where else are they going you know underground there's the you know caverns there's you know dwarven strongholds there's durgar and you know like there's just all these things that it could be impacting and and you know are people okay with it is it causing you know political unrest now because it's not just one town it's you know the whole underdark (laughs) you know it just and how long is it subtly happening before people start to even notice right at what point is it too late right if it could fit in a crack you know like yeah do you notice that when you have a whole world around you uh yeah yeah it uh, almost starts to become like a a much more tangible false hydra i don't know if you're familiar (laughs) with that creature yeah yeah um but yeah like, so I, I, mean, s- I swear that i had 14 cows there's only four today well are you sure that that's really 
Yeah. Yeah. I swear my house had four walls, not three. Uh, I'm not really sure. It doesn't make any sense for it to not have a fourth wall. Yeah. And, you know, to have like, uh, you know, if there's any lore like about, you know, corruptiveness of like hags or, you know, corrupted wishes of genies. Well, maybe that was just a regular genie with now the infection of a black pudding. That's, sure. you know, you know, like it's not just the physical corruption now it's you know it's uh, impacting their mind while they're still slowly turning into a blood or a, a black pudding you know and so right. you, you, you almost have, have a little bit of like mind flare but with like the the oozy uh picturesque version of it but also at the yeah. heart of it there's still a demon that's like controlling right. things so yeah yeah so you know chaos is ensuing uh you know do you know, angelic and, you know, devils start intervening because of what's happening with all the black puddings that are controlled by a, a demon. Uh, you know, it definitely has much larger impacts that, you know, for a lot of different ways that you could take that for sure. Yeah. But and all, and all, even if you, you don't want to actually inject that as part of your story, legend is fun because you can extrapolate those types of, of stories and say all of that happened, but yeah. it was thousands of years ago. And yeah. here's how the, here's how the entire countryside is completely changed as a result, or here's how people remember it. Now here's how the history books record it. Here's the stories, like I said, that the bards are telling. Um, and so you can have it almost as like a cautionary tale of let's not make sure it happens again. And so now when your party goes into the dungeon to fight the black pudding, their mindset, because they heard that story, their mindset is we have to kill every single black pudding in this freaking dungeon, uh, as opposed to, well, we don't really care because they're not smart and we'll just, as long as we don't bother them, they won't bother us. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to kill every single one. So it doesn't happen again is the mindset. And well, the townsfolk are probably going to pay you a little extra as well. If you say you killed six of them, as opposed to two, yeah, because they have the same mindset. So you can use the legend then with all of that kind of built out as and say that happened before. And so let's make sure it doesn't happen again. You don't have to necessarily even inject that into your modern story, but it's really cool to have those types of mythologies um, pop up from time to time. It, it makes for cool. It, it's always interesting to see when you throw out a historical account of something to see what your players do as a reaction yeah yeah and I've, i mean uh while, while you're talking about that uh you could directly relate it to you know different druidic circles um you know whether it's you know land being corrupted or you know the, the circle of the, the you know the shepherd is around because or maybe not shepherd of the land is around because it used to be a, this big uh mountain range that the black pudding has just sort of dissolved uh, you know thousands of years ago and it's now just plains and where where did that mountain go <laughs> right where did those mountains go because know? i realized that it established it here and <laughs> thousands of years ago it didn't exist you saw yeah. that yeah yeah, oh, yeah 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 so yeah, that's be... that's a perfect explanation it's because the yeah. black puddings you don't need to explain and, anything and, beyond yeah. that. <laughs> right. And that might be as far as it goes. And that's, that's a legend. That's a, that's some lore that happened. And 
if you're looking for any, you know, context or, you know, lore or, you know, inside or I'm sorry, like books or anything about it, well, they might have all gotten eaten and destroyed at that point too. So but I've got a uh um a book a Valdis Spire that I backed on Kickstarter that has a whole bunch of really cool subclasses. So I'm even thinking what you were saying, um, like you could have a whole druidic subclass that's like mm-hmm. an ooze rancher or yeah. something, you know. So like yeah. you have a, a whole new homebrew or something you found in other other stuff, and you want to figure out how do I incorporate that into my game? Well, you come up with a legend and you come up with this big elaborate story as to why this particular subclass exists in this world and this world only where it doesn't, you know, in in some other one. I mean, you can even just reflavor like the, the shepherd, you know, you're conjuring different types of oozes oozes, and putting as one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Or they look like animals, but they flow really weirdly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something's not quite right. And they kind of slurp instead of meow. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so that's uh, I think I think that's pretty much the legend. It's a good legend, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think last on the NPC list that we have, again, not necessarily slated for stats, but we can talk about that is a deity. So I think based on what you have described so far, the assumption should be: well, what happens if Jublex is actually released? Sure. Is is that where you were headed here? That that was, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's probably the easy way. Like, what if the black pudding then becomes that of Jublex and they're one of the same? Um, okay, so you know, and we, we talked about two different, two different ways to approach. Well, I guess three different ways to approach the deity. Number one is if it's a deity, don't stat it. Because if there's stats, the players will assume you can kill it. If yep. you don't want them to be killed, don't give them stats. So I'll assume we'll set that aside. It's just a <laughs> yeah. demon so it should be killable but we'll still kind of look at the dd level for purposes of this here this is like the critical role uh final fight uh with the the ascension of a new deity without uh giving any spoilers from campaign one um that it's they're not quite to full you know full-fledged um godhood yet or like we talked about with um tiamat the, the one stated deity we have and the fight that you have with Tiamat in the campaign where she exists is she's just been resummoned and she's spending most of her actions to consume cultists in order to get her power back. Uh, so she is a much less threatening version of herself. Um, so, so we can go that route where we have this massive, monstrous, all-consuming ooze pudding something. Uh, yeah, and and out of the abyss has Jublex even statted at a okay, okay. challenge. It's a challenge rating twenty three. Okay, uh, he has lair actions and even regional effects, and um, he's he's kind of statted as a demon lord, okay. uh, which you know I, I think is sense. pretty darn close to a deity. Huge fiend. Uh, he he does have. Uh, the pseudopod has now become an acid lash, which ten foot reach. So uh, we were on the right, on the right uh, track there. Um, there is even a ten foot aura with a con save or be poisoned. So we were kind of along those same lines, but we didn't go that route. So a lot of these things were, and there's even a regenerative effect, um, uh-huh. not as a legendary action, but there's a regenerative effect here. 
Uh, he does have legendary actions with additional, basically, lash attacks, which kind of what we were talking about. And his multi-attack in general has three lash effects. So a lot of these things we kind of were already working toward. The senses yeah. went from blind sight 60 to true sight 120. Massive perception, but it's because his intelligence is ridiculous. Uh-huh. intelligence of 20 wisdom 20 so telepathy at 120 feet so we're kind of on the right track even though i didn't necessarily know this was fully where you were going it's got summonate spell casting a gaseous form contagion blight so you know kind of that acidy poisony yeah you know vibe uh eject slime is also another action that he has um so yeah it's, it's almost like the uh the the dragon um Breath attack type of thing. It recharges yeah. on a five or a six, and this one yeah. only targets one creature. But uh, it's I, yeah, go ahead. yeah. So one one creature, really high deck save, but it's ten d ten acid damage, and again, you get the the penalty there. Now the one thing I see the acid lash doesn't. Um doesn't actually do that same uh, corrosive touch that we were seeing before. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but his, be... his corrupting touch is a legendary action. So you still kind of have something kind of similar, but yeah. I guess Ju- uh, Jublex in general is not just a black pudding creature. It's a pseudopod it's a of black and green. So it's yeah. kind of all, all kind of combined. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. so that, that makes sense. Giving him some layer actions, that also makes sense with slimes all over the place and just kind of, he's massive and he is super squishy, literally and figuratively. <laughs> right. Um, and and the, the layer actions are either like people becoming restrained or slipping and falling prone or summoning more slimes. So it's just that, you know, that nasty, yeah, you know, stuff everywhere. Uh, I mean, so so this is a good example of, I guess, I mean, we could always, you know, make it more challenging, make, you know, max out the hit points even, you know, we still got options there if we want to make it even more challenging. If you are, you know, having a party of more than, you know, 20 uh, for challenge rating, which, you know, some some games do that. And for a deity, 23 isn't terrible. It's probably the lower side of a, of a deity. Um yeah, 20, I mean, 20, 23 is is killable probably with even a party of because uh, uh, let's be honest, challenge rating at some point really means nothing. It, it's all well, action economy. 350 yeah. hit points. You, you have a, uh, a a decent rogue and a decent paladin and on turn one, they could chew through all <laughs> 350 hit points. Yeah, I mean, you got. Yeah, exactly. And, and so there's definitely ways of making this even beefier still. Uh, and with the damage resistances, it might be a little bit more challenging and d- damage immunities for, uh, d- you know, it, it, there's a lot though for Jubilex, but you know, the black pudding, we can maybe merge it a little bit, uh, with, with Jubilex and give it a bit more black puddingy feel if we want to make it a, a deity. Um, so, I mean, this is one that's more or less statted. Um, but we can, you know, add a couple more touches to it. And then one of the things that we talked about though, was because deities aren't necessarily meant to be touchable 
the thing that you can interact with a little bit more readily is an avatar of the deity. And yeah. That, so that may be where we can actually stat out that legend or we can take that humanoid uh, black pudding creature, maybe give it some, you know, character classes, some levels, and also still give it some of the legendary actions of what a typical black pudding could do with the corrosive touch and the caustic nature of, you know, interacting with it. You merge all of those types of things. It's maybe not a huge CR 23 duplex, but it's probably a nice, you know, CR 15, CR 18 um, humanoid type entity that would be a pretty darn good fight as well. Yeah. And if you want to be a slightly mean GM, you know, in terms of a difficult black pudding, if it can eat through magical armor, yeah, magical weapons. Yeah, it's what we we talked about before, and we said we probably needed to hold off on that. But yeah, at that yeah. point, he probably has figured that out. Um, and, and maybe depending on how long the party has let him uh, continue his spree or to continue to. Uh, go, yeah, go unabated as they're seeding in various you know places. Maybe the the quality of uh, the magical items that he can you know damage or you know destroy it you know continues to go up. Maybe like yeah. we said, it was it's not just uncommon. Now it's rare items, and only the very rare and legendary items are unaffected. Um, yeah. And then it, you know, it, it run it creates interesting things as well. Where now any shipments of healing potions from one town to another might have gotten eaten, and now you know to to get yourself a, any potion of healing, it's has to be greater, and it's you know costs a boatload. Uh, you know, just other impacts of the world itself for black puddings that can eat magical. Yeah, black black pudding with an economic impact. <laughs> right. That's definitely at least, you know, legend, if not deity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we talked about the avatar, you know, the, the, the statted version. And, you know, again, to clarify what an avatar is, it's kind of like a physical personified or physical representation of said deity. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it, it may be a way that they manifest themselves or it may be like a spokesperson. Uh, think yeah. of uh, like uh, the archangels uh, as a representative of God, that type of thing. Um, and Pathfinder, I think, does a really good job of this. I'm not sure that D&D so much, but in their lore, uh, if you look up any any of their their deities, you can usually find like these two or three entities that are always like the spokespeople for this God. And so like if they manifest, they usually manifest in one of these three forms or whatever. Gotcha. And yeah, that, so, that even gives you potentially, you know, good things to, to jump off of. If you're not doing this black pudding idea, but you're wanting to come up with an avatar of a deity, try to find uh, some of the traits, the characteristics. Um, I know in one of the games that we, that we played in Pathfinder, uh, there was a uh, an Azada uh, because it was uh, the the deity Desna, and so it was an Azada with these big gigantic butterfly wings that showed up every once in a while in somebody's dreams. 
um and somebody else uh had an experience with like an old man that turned into a tiger i believe um and i can't remember which deity that was but that was one of you monks that were having that connection you could actually summon them at one point like once a week or something like that to manifest themselves and um so yeah there's there's ways you can make use of avatars either as uh allies or or enemies and kind of bring the the deity side of things into the game without making it this like we were saying this cr23 or cr30 or whatever combat that's virtually impossible you know to to succeed at yeah and it gives it gives the option of you the gm to decide like uh, with an avatar like you know statted and potentially beaten by the party can they return or is that it like if it's just a you know if it's the god if it's that deity you know in a physical form then maybe they're just gone for for now you know and they have to kind of retreat back to their their realm rebuild up their physical body and then come back right um or if it's like you said like an archangel they might have had you know they were the spokesperson well what happens when the spokesperson's gone um it's like the know, santa like, claus somebody new has to take its place right yeah, yeah. someone new has to take its place or <laughs> it, like does it impact the religion uh you know now that you can't talk to the spokesperson or vice versa like no yeah, so now you're you're creating your own legend yeah, based exactly. on the actions of the of the pcs yeah yeah um, yeah i like it yeah so let's think of some things here for a black pudding deity would they have its own religion well you're you're saying outside of jublex itself yeah if if just a black pudding so I'm, I'm having trouble separating at this point you're you're assuming with our our story that we developed here that it was possessed or controlled for a while by jublex but at some point it has kind of broken free or decided i don't really care about you anymore and is now doing its own thing is that the assumption i think we can go with an assumption yeah. okay okay so the question then is how is it how is it different then from jublex as it's beginning to grow and you know embody itself and grow in power how is its motivation any different from jublex which is just to consume everything that's kind of how we personified it before right. only in a childlike manner so how else would we personify it other than that because that's kind of the one thing it is known for yeah so uh we could you know have it start to uh maybe be a bit more um like the way the eldritch uh individuals are in you know D D and other um you know style games like it's a bit more of the you know from that facet of getting into drinking water and corrupting the bodies and then it's realizing that maybe the mind is a bit more uh, worth corrupting um so it might not be just the total destruction of everything um but it's found maybe a new path of understanding um you so, know, not so instead of becoming chaotic evil and massive destruction 
it actually starts to become lawful evil of what if I just controlled everything? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I still want everything to be mine, you know, but it's, it's still me, but it's like a different facet of what that would look like. Yeah. Like, uh, like ego, um, you, you've seen, even uh, if you haven't read the comics, but you've seen guardians of the galaxy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like, his big thing is like you know ego the living planet but he is the planet and everything on the planet are just like smaller manifestations of himself yeah Yeah. but it yeah and he can go wherever he wants to go it's just kind of one and the same there isn't really a separation between the two yeah i think that would be a a fun way of taking such a such a black pudding like and obviously if things oppose being one with him in that sense and yeah he'll do what he has to do to you know physically devour that to make them be a part of him one way or the other right you either join me or you become food for the ones who do yeah yeah okay so it's very similar uh in the consumption idea but is consumption for the purposes of control rather than destroy Okay. Uh, that, that makes sense too. The here, so here's the angle I was thinking, uh, again, kind of building more lore because a lot of times, uh, deities are really just there to establish history of the world. Right. And backstory. Um, now if you have, yes, or factions. Um, so if you have a lot of like your base classes, your base races, um, and you wanted to introduce a slightly new uh, twist into your campaign, you could talk through this story of this black pudding that became sentient and was semi-controlled, became smart enough, became an adventurer and traveled the world doing all of these deeds and eventually found love that type of thing and over time had children because it's a fantasy world and we don't really get into the details of how that works um but this black pudding is like the father of the entire changeling race or 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 the uh, unearthed ooze race. <laughs> yes, true. There is that whole that whole one that I'm sure is coming soon out of unearthed arcana. Yeah, I mean that would be the easy one. But I was thinking yeah, yeah. ones that even are already in existence. Um, of like how are the changelings able to just switch with uh-huh. you know, just on a whim and change their look, change their appearances because they are 100% malleable on the inside. Sure. Like it's not like uh you know a human turning into a werewolf where the snout gets elongated and the arms and fingers get really long or whatever. No, they just kind of a blob becomes a different type of blob. Um, but it's it's got bone structure now, it's got muscle structure and stuff like that, but it still maintains that malleable shape. It's like plastic man or you know, elongated man or whatever from from DC. You can just reshape yourself in whatever form you want. Uh, and th- then you establish you've got a deity, but there's no reason why we should want a black pudding 
to ascend to godhood, but it's almost like a weird twisted version of Caden Kalian from Pathfinder that he was such a great adventurer and corrals his way to the top. And, and this was the black pudding. Well, he was the father of an entirely different race and became sentient enough that, well, we, at least in some circles, we ascribe semi godhood to him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The other so thing that, th that one you would, in that world, suddenly your, your black puddings are venerated. Like it's almost like the sacred cow. We don't mm -hmm. want to kill them because you know we we respect them and especially if there's a changeling around well that's kind of like cousins you know so you have like that weird vibe in the world right. and black puddings are not really bad versus the example you gave where it's it's the opposite and now we have a deity we have two now ooze deities and both of them want to like seek our destruction one of them is for control one of them is you know for chaos and so now everybody is afraid of, you know, that thing that moved in my sink. Right. right. Yeah. There's Open two reasons to, to stay out. up at night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to piggyback off the changeling idea, like it's super easy to have lore that, you know, most of the transmutation spells that exist is also due to the black puddings, you know, malleable right. form. Right. Yeah. No, now you contribute a portion of all magic to this black pudding legend that might have ascended them in the first place. Right. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of fun ways you can you can take that for you know for good or bad, as as we had two two examples there. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, is there any other? Is there any other certainly things? interesting little. Uh, dive from from a black pudding that's usually kind of a throwaway creature just to piss off your characters <laughs> or hey you've been collecting too many items let me help whittle those down for you yeah and you know the uh the the fact that you know you you it's possible to turn like you said a throwaway creature into a legend a deity uh a, a, a nemesis like there's options for any type of creature even from the you know basic rules uh you know having it affect economy because it can dissolve gold diamonds you know uh, clerics looking to raise people from the dead and there's no diamonds available because of just the black pudding incidences that keep coming up from everywhere there's a lot you could do a lot of different ways you could take it um and it, you know i think it just it, it's just a little bit of creativity but just kind of following through like well how can we make it a little stronger how can we make it a little weaker how can we make it more of this thing that is an adversary uh versus that vague you know legend that that exists that that myth uh to you know something that is in charge of a lot in the world so yeah, yeah, that was that was enjoyable. I'm I'm glad that you planned ahead, and I'm glad that I came in blind because I think it it made for uh, fun fun little conceptual ideas here. I do it again. Uh, is there any parting thoughts? No, I th I think for the most part, 
Uh, well, I say no, and then I'm going to give you a parting thought after all. Sure. Yeah. Um, it seems like we spent a lot of time on this, and we did. This is this is two. We're going on almost two and a half hours here. Um, but each of those chunks, we really talked through quite a bit. If you're trying to just come up with a slightly different conceptualization for uh, how do I tweak this monster to make it more viable in the combat for my characters that are at a higher level. I like the idea of the creature. It just doesn't work. Okay. Well, you don't have to go through the entire process. You start with the base, you bump it up to a champion version and you're done. You move on. Um, you, if you're going to create a nemesis, you're probably not going to do it with something like uh, a black pudding. You could, we've shown you it's possible. Um, but you're probably going to take something that's a little more, NPC oriented anyway, something's a little more intelligence, has some communicative skills, and um, all you have to do is work it into the story that exists or the story that you're building. You have that, you build a little better stat block, like we said, and you're good. Like you don't have to go through every single one of these things. This shouldn't be a two hour process for you to do some slight tweaking of a particular character. Um, so don't look at this as a daunting task. I would really encourage you to anything that you want to be memorable, make it your own um, because those are the types of things that people are going to remember. If they recognize it as a character out of the, the monster manual, uh, they probably, if they played for a while, have the stat block mostly memorized. And while the fight could be enjoyable, the creature itself is kind of a yawn fest, right? Um, so this gives you the opportunity to um, whether it's this, that mob fight that we talked about, um, that like who thought fighting a whole bunch of, uh, like slimy creatures coming up from the sewers, uh, trying to engulf all of the, the town would be enjoyable and talked about, but it will be right. And all the way up to, if you wanted to work on the cosmology of your world, you don't have to do all of those steps all the way through. You can just say, what if black pudding, but a God. And then right. you, you backwards, you know, it re reverse engineer the entire thing. Um, and you can fill in those gaps. You create the legend. You figure out, were they interacting with any particular individuals? Or does it not matter, right? You don't have to have all those other things. Maybe you don't stat block it out because, again, you're making a deity. So you can skip a lot of those steps along the way. We just wanted to show you how you could walk all the way through and take just a simple monster and turn it into any of those different variations. But each of those things should probably take you no more than, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes. Uh, and the more that you do it, the, the faster you'll get at it. Um, so that's the big thing is don't look at this as a daunting task. Look at this as like something super enjoyable that you can be creative and give your players something memorable. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was kind of the, the layout of, you know, what if insert creature here, but a legend, but right. a nemesis but a god um you know you could you could do that with literally anything um yeah and and yeah don't spend too much time and if this does sound if it sounds daunting which i i hope it doesn't and and like we said it, you know just a couple of tweaks might make it feel unique um you, you know there's always the backup of finding you know a little bit higher challenge rating creature that already exists and reflavoring it sure. um you know you can find something instead of a challenge rating four, like the black pudding find a challenge rating five and have that be the, the boss for now and you know 
there's other options, but this way is also fun. Um, cause then it still kind of keeps it cohesively a black pudding, even if there's slight variations to it. Right. Um, so, you know, if they know it or if the, you know, if the player knows it or if the character knows it, it's still fun and unique, but not like, wow, I, they don't, they don't do this. Like, and then that might just frustrate the player or frustrate, you know, but it, like it, it might be too far if all of a sudden it's, you know, doing ranged attacks now instead of melee pseudopod uh, attacks. Uh, so Although you say you, that, and I was looking to see how high up does, does the ooze go and, CR uh, the ooze type and the biggest thing I think you can see is a CR 10 um, but one of the things that is a black pudding variant is Princess Ebenmeyer from Out of the Abyss and guess what type of action she has range pseudopod blobs it's a ranged oh. weapon attack is that the only one she has that is it. Everything else is identical to the black pudding, but she actually spits for basically okay. the same damage. It does well, exactly the same thing. Corrected. <laughs> I, I, I guess. I guess in my mind it was like if you just changed everything um, with the example of just yeah, a ranged yeah. attack. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's perfectly valid to change that up and you know. And sometimes um, that's all it takes. Like you look through all of these monster stuff. And if you have access to D and D beyond, that's how I'm able to find all these things super quick. If you have access to it, it's a lifesaver. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, it has what four different variations. We saw the base black pudding, the elder for whatever that was worth was just max hit points the intelligent one we didn't even talk to talk about that too much it's got a higher intelligence and it has spell casting um outside of that it's the same it's got the 85 hit points it just added a little bit of spell casting because it's smarter and then you have princess ebenmeyer that's identical to the base thing but it doesn't have a melee attack it has range attack instead you can tweak ever so slightly and and you know the system not only encourages it but you can see examples of they just kind of changed somebody's name and gave it the exact same stats outside of one minor tweak. So feel free to do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that shouldn't drastically change the challenge rating, but it, it will feel unique. And I think players will uh, you know appreciate that all the more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's one way to kind of adjust encounters in a way that, you know, feels right in a game. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to adjust it so that it's just, it's something fun, but you're not necessarily trying to make it more detailed or more dangerous. You just want to kind of make it more unique. Yeah. Swap out a range for a melee, swap out a melee for a range, give it some spell casting. You don't have to necessarily make it any more uh, impossible to kill. Just make it one of those things where they, the players do a little double take when you say it does something and they're like, wait, it did what? Yeah. They'll, they'll remember that yeah awesome well oh, cool. i think that's uh, it for today uh thank yeah. you guys for listening in and uh until next time yeah i think next time uh we're gonna flip the script a little bit i know we talked about you liking to kind of start with a um, an NPC or a creature and kind of build it out from there. Next time we're going to do another workshop and flip it around and do the way that I like to do and start with 
the faction or the organization um, and uh, see how we how we can build that out instead and see how that maybe influences the uh, creature that we come up with. So until then, we'll catch you later. Good night.